This is the People Focus Podcast with Talkstaff, celebrating the most important asset that we all have, our people. The people that help keep our businesses running each and every day. The people that motivate us when times are hard, help us make decisions that don't always feel like they're the right ones, and challenges when we need to stay on track to achieve the overall company mission. They are the purpose behind what we do, and this is where we honor them. The People Focus Podcast, and here's your host, Gary Parsons. Thank you very much. Yes, my name is Gary Parsons. This is the People Focus Podcast, and I am really excited and a little bit privileged, actually, to have the celebrity that herself is Serena Humphrey with me today. Steady on. Okay. Serena is a leading finance coach here in the UK. So, For the last 30 years, Serena has been involved in a personal mission to inspire and train business owners to understand and get confident with their finances so that they can make more profit. So back in 2019, Talkstaff and Serena of the F-Word Academy run an event together and I'm really excited to have Serena with us today to talk through some of the learnings we had on that day, but of course talk about the learnings and the journey that she also took us on as a business as well. So Serena, thank you very much for joining us. How are you doing today? Thank you, Gary. It's really, really good to be here. And I'm excited to be amongst the previous interviewees you've had on the podcast. Thank you, Serena. It's definitely great to have you. And actually feels like we should have done this a long time ago. I know I've just said there we've run events together. And of course, you had David on stage with you. And I didn't get to be there on stage on that day, but certainly was in the room and the energy was just amazing. Was it 2019, I think, wasn't it? I, I guess it must must have been all the year before, maybe. I'm, I'm not sure. I think it's all was... the last year has been a blur, hasn't it? Let's face it. <laughs> Absolutely. And time flies by when you're having fun. But I always say I'll let you know when that happens, because it's certainly not been fun over the last couple of years. And we'll get on to the fun that you've been having with your business. But yeah, I remember that day we uh, have got got the handouts in front of me was the secret formula for unlocking the profit through people. And I know you've done that with our business as well. And I'm, I absolutely will come on to that. And you've helped us and the team around you have helped us go on that journey through talk staff, of course, over the last 12 years, we've been through lots of different things that have happened to us. And yeah, it's, it's been great to get your advice personally, but then hear you in a room and, and see you on that stage was great. So I always like to start off the podcast by just really just introducing yourself because I know you very well and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will do. But for those that have not heard of Serena Humphrey before, would you like to introduce yourself and just explain where the world of finance comes in for you? I am an accountant or let's say I'm a recovering accountant. So I'm a chartered management accountant, experienced financial director also an NLP coach, but my passion is in helping business owners get the life they want and to run their business and life on their own terms. Because for most business owners, that is not the case. Now, when I talk about my business, and I've been in business for 21 years now, it's so much more than a business for me because it really is truly a passion and a true mission business. Because just around 30 years ago, I had a trio of personal financial disasters. Now, the first one of those was that my parents lost their business and after being in business themselves for 20 odd years lost their business went bankrupt lost their home they were homeless and they had to go out and get factory jobs and my dad lost you know went bankrupt and lost his identity and it had a breakdown and it was a deeply traumatic time 
Not long after that, I lost my house. I bought when I was 18 years old, very proudly, and interest rates went to 15%. You're probably far too young to remember that. Interest rates were 15%. The mortgage was more than my take-home pay. And on my 21st birthday, I handed back the keys to the Abbey National and moved in with my parents in their rented house. And then the business I was working for, so I was the only one with the job in the house, and I was working for a very, very fast-growing retail company. And we went from two shops to 80 shops in the space of three years, half a million to 10 million pounds turnover. And in the recession of the early 90s, we crashed into receivership really spectacularly. I personally had to make hundreds of people redundant. I had to close down the factory, tell everyone they weren't getting paid, they'd lost their jobs, close all our shops down all around the country, and then work with the liquidators as they closed the business down. And there were days when, you know, bailiffs would come in and take the rings off my boss's fingers, drive their cars away, and we had to help them sort of hide their furniture because obviously the bailiffs were going to come in and take their home and all their possessions from them. So all this happened within a year, all these three things. And I was head of finance at this company, I should just add. 22, in charge of £10 million business, eight staff working for me, and I didn't know a debit from a credit. I was amazing at managing cash flow, and I knew exactly when we were going to run out of cash, but I didn't know a debit from a credit. We had no reporting in place. We had none of the things you absolutely have to have as a £10 million business, and nobody was telling us. No accountants were telling us anything. The banks weren't telling us anything. We just drove off a cliff, and the most amazing company I have ever worked for to this day crashed into failure and as I went to study because I I thought I have to know what went wrong here because it feels like my fault I know that's a bit of an ego at 22 years old thinking it was all your fault but it's like I was in charge of finance this is down to me so I went to study as an accountant and I found out almost almost page one completely avoidable over trading undercapitalized lack of financial control and reporting bam straight away there it could have been prevented so I've dedicated my life to saying like why don't small companies know this? Because they don't. Why don't small businesses get taught how to manage their money? Why is the failure rate in the UK 90%? Why do so few companies make it? And the answer everywhere I turned was, it's money. You fail because you run out of cash. You don't get the life you want because you haven't got the cash. You don't retire with enough because you didn't have the cash. And you didn't have the cash because no one taught you to manage the money. So this is my big bugbear and my big mission is how do we teach business owners in a way that's really simple and inspiring and exciting and easy to manage your money, to get really comfortable with your finances so that you make and keep more profit and you therefore get to live the life you want and you live that life on your terms, building freedom into the way you live and freedom into your future. And that is everything that we do to break down these walls of accountancy jargon. People talk about finance for non-finance accounting courses. Even I would fall asleep at one of those things. They're not helpful. And, and all the, you know, the business support agencies, all the business support out there, no one is teaching business owners what they need to know. It's not OK to delegate it all to your accountant and bookkeeper and hope for the best. It doesn't work. We know it doesn't work because 90% of companies fail. And it should be more like 10 or 20% because some companies, you know, they're not destined to work. The ideas didn't work, the people, whatever. But most businesses deserve to work and they don't. And, you know, there are lots of reasons why a business works or doesn't work. And the people is obviously a massive part of that. But fundamentally, if you haven't got any cash, you haven't got a business. So the cash is like the foundational piece that allows you to go and do all these amazing things in the world. But without it, there's nothing. So that's what our mission is. It's about getting people the life they want, running life on their terms, 
running their business on their terms because they've got the cash and the security and the freedom to do that. It's a really lovely phrase that I've heard you use many times now is that financial freedom. And it's that when you first said it to me and, and said, Gary, I want you to go to sleep at night and not wake up in the middle of the night and check the bank to make sure that there was money in there. Oh. A journey that we went on some years ago now, of course, we're, I'd say we're 12 years in. So probably five, six, seven, eight years ago, we did quite a big recruitment drive in our business and we more than doubled the heads that are in our business. And I remember the date, it was the 25th of January on the Friday because we pay everybody on the last Friday. And I remember opening my phone to make sure that the money that was going out didn't take us over that line. And of course, we had money in, we had factoring facilities, we had savings accounts and lots of different pots available to us. But all I was worried about was making sure that we didn't go over the that overdrawn effectively in our current account. And it was scary. Some big numbers went out that day because we'd made quite a significance. But I shouldn't have been worried because, as I've just said, we had factoring facilities available to us that we could have lent on that there was probably money sat in those accounts. There was money in savings accounts that are waiting for the next VAT bill to come along and holidays and everything else that went in there. But I still woke up in a cold sweat in the middle of the night once it had hit midnight to check that that had gone out and check that we hadn't been overdrawn. And there's a huge amount of pressures on us anyway to run businesses. And to have that and have that, like you say, that financial freedom is so important, isn't it? Yeah. And it's when we talk about financial freedom, a lot of people think it's in the, the, the traditional sense of free to work from the beach. It's not. It is about that as well. It's about making your businesses the vehicle to get you that. But it's also about freedom while you're running your business, freedom from financial stress. And, you know, business is tough enough anyway without worrying about payroll and the VAT going out. I mean, too many business owners are consumed by that financial pressure and that stops them being who they're meant to be in the world. And, you know, and when you learn a few simple tools and techniques and just a logical process to follow, well, that goes away. And the problem is that most business owners just don't know this because no one's teaching it, which is why we are teaching it, which is why we created the academy last year, because they're just not being told that this is what they need to do. And if they did it, life would transform. Absolutely. And I'm sure people listening will get some valuable tips, but not everything though today, because you've spent a long time and I know you've put a lot of content together for your academy that we'll, we'll talk about shortly. And people will listen to this and they will pick up tips along the way, I'm sure, because you lose that uh, enthusiasm, which is great, but obviously the tips come out there as well because it's become so natural to you. And I know that it was great to sit down when we first spoke. And like I say, we had the team in and they helped us with lots of different bits. I knew because back in the day when I was in college, I did a whole module on financial, I can't remember what they called it, it was financial accounting and cash flow. And I I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to these things. So I like a nice spreadsheet and lots of formulas. And we did all of the cash flow forecasting and lots of things when we were in college. And it was one module amongst everything that was going on of motivational theories and all sorts of things that we did at college. But I remember that really clearly and knowing how important that was. And it's something that I carried forward and something we were doing in the business. But I think when you're successful, you can get too comfortable. And would you say there's some really common things that happen to businesses. And I know a really obvious one is that they go under if they don't keep on control of their uh, finances. You can probably spot these from miles away that they're going to yeah, fail absolutely. if they don't get it sorted. Well, a good point is what you just brought up there. You, you already understood that cash and finance was important and you'd learned that in college. 
But as you grow a business, you, you know, when it's just you, you can kind of work it all out. A few people, you've got your spreadsheets and you actually are far more literate than most people will ever deal with. But a business grows and it becomes more complicated and it requires a different level of financial management. You know, what you do at 100K won't cut at a million or half a million. You know, what you did at a million won't cut it at five million. You know, so there are those phases you grow through and it's realising your finance has to grow up as you grow a business. So, I mean, the really common things I see are business owners obsessing over turnover. So I want to get to a million, two million, five million. I don't care about your turnover. Turnover means absolutely zero. All that matters is how much you keep. How much profit do you make and how much profit do you keep? Everything else is just ego. I don't give a damn if you've got, uh, I don't know, 3 million turnover and 50 staff. I don't care. Doesn't mean a thing. You can have 50 staff and not make any money. So that those are the common ego traps of business owners. The second big mistake is that people don't understand they must put their taxes away in a separate bank account. It's one of my biggest tips for everyone and anyone. And I loads of people who read my blog and listen to my stuff and my Facebook group. If that's one thing you take from me and you never come and work with us, but you just do this one thing. Your VAT, your corporation tax, not your money, do not belong in your bank account at all, not part of your working capital, put them in a separate bank account. And don't think I can keep it in the same account, you can't, it's got to go away. Second thing is three months buffer cash, separate bank account. Because guess what, things can go wrong. I mean, just imagine, uh, like, uh, I know, a global pandemic, for example. You'd never see Half it coming. they come around, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, ha- I mean, as if. But guess what, <laughs> stuff happens. And my clients, when the pandemic hit, no one panicked because everyone had loads of cash in the bank and they went, okay, we've got time to think about this. We don't need to panic into anything. Things like, you know, I've seen one firm, her entire management team walked out overnight and set up in competition. We've got six months money in the bank. We didn't need to panic, you know, and, and there are th- countless things that happen to companies all the time. Reasons why, you know, you lose your best customer, your best um, fee owner walks out the door. Stuff happens. Someone gets ill. They're going to be off work for six months. You get ill. You know, I had cancer two years ago and, you know, stuff happens in a business. And I was so glad I got my buffer cash in the bank because it means I didn't have to worry. You know, I could just take a bit, a bit of a back seat and just know that I could still pay myself. One of the biggest things I see is certainly on the people side is business owners are so wrapped up in their own worries and stresses. And financial stress plays a very big part in that because financial stress Apart from doing terrible things to your body, it shuts down the creative thinking, logical part of your brain. And it also makes you not very nice to be around. So when you take that financial stress away, when you work your way out of that, you can actually get to be your best. And that means you bring your people with you. You can inspire them. You can energize your people. And coming on to that is the vision piece where business owners are lacking that vision, okay, they may have that thing when I first set up, I had this dream. Like you may relate to this, Gary, as, as you go over time, sometimes that can get kicked out of you. Just the realities of bringing the sales in, hitting the targets, paying everyone, keeping all the staff happy. You can lose sight of the passion and the mission and the reason you set up in business. And if you can keep that mission alive and align your people to it. So I use a tool called Vivid Vision, which is one of the best tools I've ever come across for articulating your vision and aligning the world to it. When that happens, the staff understand why they're there. They know what they're there to do. They know why they're coming in. It gives them that purpose that so many, I think, staff in small companies are really lacking. And just, you know, fundamentally not having a grasp on their numbers. So people who are trying to run their business by pulling a profit and loss off of zero, like that's never going to cut it. Okay, it's better than nothing. But if you're trying to run your business like that, you know, you're only seeing a fraction of the picture. You're seeing this one dimensional snap and you've got to have that 3D 
I describe it as like a giant mirror that wraps around your business when you've got the right information, as I know you have now, Gary. And, you know, not having that information because no one told you any different. Someone said, find a good accountant, leave it all to your bookkeeper. And no one ever told you this is what you'd have to know about your business if you want to feel completely in control. So I guess they're the main things that I see as the main, if you like, um, the sort of stumbling blocks or the tripwires in small business. Because as you're growing, you don't know these things, and which is why I think so many companies don't get past that point. You know, why is the failure rate 90%? It's tragic and it's so wrong and it's so, so unnecessary. Certainly, personally, a frustrating point for me as well, because stats are out there to say that small businesses and certainly SMEs are 99% of the UK economy. That Totally. Absolutely should be going out there as strong as we possibly can do and and you're doing that for the, for the work that you're doing to make sure that those businesses are as strong as they possibly can be because that has such a detrimental effect on the economy or or a real positive impact on the economy yeah. as well and uh, it's one people of the... Gary isn't it? you know those people if we employ 99% of the population which we do mm. what's the impact on those families when a business either is struggling or doesn't work what happens when you get told you've lost your job? Uh, your psyche and your confidence are being made redundant. And sometimes for the second or third time. You know, with the responsibility we have as business owners is massive. You know, we, we have people's lives in our hands, don't we? Absolutely. And it really matters that small businesses are doing well. I mean, not just surviving. That's just the baseline, but doing really well and giving everyone in that business the life they want. A really valid point that you also made was the impact on the creativity and the the thinking power really of those entrepreneurs and those directors those managers in that business when they can't sleep at night they are sleep deprived because all they're doing is they're waking up in the middle of the night and looking at their bank balance so lucky for me I only did that really once then I realized I was probably overreacting and I think that's healthy if we if we're not going to do it once then there's probably something wrong so I think it was perhaps a quite healthy that I did it and it certainly then made me realize that it was so important for me to have that financial freedom and have a better grasp and control of what we had in the business in terms of finance. But of course, when you are sitting there and day to day and you are worrying about the impact it will have on your people, the obvious thing that's happening is it will have an impact on your people because you are every day worried so much that you're not able to think ahead and I definitely would encourage people that are listening to go out there and yeah absolutely there are some really good accountants out there but there are some really bad accountants out there as well and if I'm I'm being honest with you and I'm not afraid to be outspoken as you know there are some shocking shockingly bad accountants out there some of whom I've seen take a business down through their sheer incompetence you're right there are awesome accountants but I don't know many I'm being brutally truthful There are very few people I recommend because probably 90% of every client we ever worked for, certainly when we had my previous business, the management accounting company, the most common refrain we heard when we went to a client is, my accountants really let me down or my accountants really screwed me over. But either way, been let down. And part of that's often because you haven't communicated with your accountant what you actually want. But there's this language barrier that happens with an accountant. And this is where a lot of it comes from because you can't speak finance and they can't speak your language. They're just talking debits and credits, accruals and prepayments, deferred tax provision. And you're going, oh, blah. which is why so many people go, I just leave it all to the accountant. I don't understand it. I just, my brain doesn't work that way. And what we're saying is, no, it's adding up and taking away. And it's your money. What could be more exciting or more interesting than your money? Forget the word finance, forget the word accounting. It's your money. 
And this is the key to your life because, you know, whatever, even if you're not money motivated, and I'm actually not particularly money motivated, but if we want the life we want, we've got to have money to make it happen. We want to pay the mortgage off and we want to be able to afford holidays and we want to live life on our terms. It comes down to money. And that means we just need to know how to manage it. And you said about purpose there as well. If everybody is on that same page, no matter whether they're in your business and they're the employees that you have around you or the... I like to call them the team because we always call them extended family in here because we're all family. We have extended family of those suppliers, the those consultants that you work with that you can say, let's bring you in. Let's make sure that you understand that purpose. And yep, absolutely. Finance is a huge part of it, but so is marketing. So is operations and so is people. And if your accountants, your finance partners, advisors don't understand marketing, people, operations, all of those elements that absolutely 100% go into your business, then they're making a mistake. They're giving you bad advice because they obviously don't know the full picture. And yeah, I absolutely get what you say. There's that communication barrier between them. It's just as important for you to explain that to them as it is for them to understand it. And you know, you absolutely get this when we go out with clients and we do consultancy work with them from a people point of view, we will understand those areas. We will understand the constraints that they've got from a financial perspective. They will understand whether operationally what we're asking them to do or whatever they're asking us to do isn't feasible. It absolutely isn't something that they can look at whatsoever now, maybe for the next year or or even five years. But what we can do is we can understand how we make those steps in that right direction. We were in the big growth programs were going ahead a few years ago. There was lots of money being thrown at companies, lots of growth programs, lots of growth coaches. I was called into quite a few companies where the coach was following the blueprint, following the template of, come on, you know, let's grow, let's scale, let's double your company in three years, which I hate. It's so blunt. But they were doing that without any regard for the numbers. So there was no financial information in a lot of these companies. And they were just plowing ahead with this aggressive growth strategy with no concept whether the company could afford it. And one coach actually had the insight to say, Serena, I'm worried that I'm actually taking this company over the cliff because I don't think they can afford this plan. And he was the first person to actually say it. It's and- great when you can get them to admit it. And there are some great schemes out there. I know that we, you know that we've been part of them. We've got the Growth Accelerator and the, all the different schemes, which has really helped us. But then some of them has actually put us in touch with yourselves. So that has really helped as well. Serena, we said we were going to get to it. I've realised we've been talking so much about all the different things that that go on in the world of people and finance. But tell me more about the finance, the F Word Academy. It is the F Word Academy. Absolutely. So for years and years and years and years and years, it's been my dream to create something online because we've always been a one-to-one business. We've done one-to-one coaching consultancy. We've got my finance director team, but we can only work with so many companies one-to-one at a time. And it's driving around it, seeing people. It's, it's very intensive work. And yet there are lots of companies who want to work with us who couldn't afford to, you know, because we are a coaching training. We, we charge premium rates for what we do. It's like there are so many smaller companies who really want to work with us and who, who probably won't ever be able to. And I had this dream to take everything we teach our clients. You know, our, you know some people pay to like 20, 30,000 pounds for a program. What if I could take everything we teach and create an online program where anyone can do it for a very, very low fee that literally any business could afford. But guess what? That's quite a big job. And I've been trying to do it for the last six years, seven years. And then COVID hit. It's like, mm, guess what? This is my opportunity. And I don't mean to sound opportunistic about COVID, but nonetheless, it was there. So a lot of our client work fell away. You know, a lot of our projects fell away because businesses were closed down. 
like, right, this is my chance. So I created it. And, and the idea is that we've got um, you know, a community of ambitious business owners, but real heart-centered, purpose-driven business owners who it's not about the money, but the money is the enabler for them to get the life they want and to create the difference in the world they want to make. So we've got this lovely community of business owners and I basically teach my entire program in there of everything we teach you one-to-one with all the templates and stuff. And we have live events, we have live coaching, we run live quarterly planning where people come and set their quarterly goals together. We do monthly check-ins, we do results focus and um, fix sessions where we go through stuff. We have live speakers in the academy and they've got access to us anytime they want to ask questions. Plus they can bolt on one-to-one coaching and implementation anytime they want to just for an hour at a time. So there's no obligation, there's no kind of thing they're signing up to and it's just like what is the most impactful way I can help small companies really get a grasp of their finances and go right right now I know how to create the life I want that sounds great so we launched it last September I'm not going to lie to you it's been the hardest thing I've ever done by a really long way and it remains really difficult because now we've had to learn how to market a completely different business so we've been going through quite a long process in the last really six to eight months of really understanding how that business is marketed you know because we're running a membership site now so it's not a training program such, it's actually a membership site. We've got access to all this stuff and you've got access to us. So yeah, we're in the throat. We're kind of sort of doing a little bit of a, I guess, a, a rebrand, refocus that's going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Where we've really got to grips with, right, okay, this is the thing we're doing now. And this is how one markets a product like that. Because we didn't know. I've been doing one-to-one for 20 years. It's great because I'm sure you enjoy that contact still. And, and in there, you said that people can get those one-to-one sessions booked in and that's great because you can really get stuck in and understand what's going on in the business but of course there are always those common themes that will come up time and time again in every business no matter whether you're 22 in a business head of finance or you're just starting out in a business those themes do come up time and time again for for companies so 2020 was also one of the hottest years that we've had for a while and you were sat in a studio with lots of cameras and lighting and and different bits there but um, it's great yeah I recorded over 100 videos and it was just and as you know like getting your videos right first time is scripting everything and getting it right it was so painful and like you say it was like 80 90 degrees in here and pretty horrendous last year doing it but you know so proud that I finally built that that dream I've always had it should be very proud definitely it's it sounds really exciting what you've done I know I've not gone onto the platform personally myself but it's definitely something that is on my ever-growing list of things to look at so um, is it oh well I'll hold you to that well uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to delete this part of the recording now just really fascinates me the idea of it and and definitely there are businesses out there that will really value having access to that information as I did back in college as I have done working through you or lots of different schemes and different webinars and podcasts that I've listened to as well is a different way of learning and I think when you can do it on your own time which I gather you can do in your own time on there and totally absolutely yeah I love the live sessions that we do because people come together you know on the like in fact this Thursday lunchtime we have a live quarterly planning session where because let's face it when it's your own business like yeah yeah I really should do a quarterly plan but it doesn't get to the top of the list. But actually, they know I've, I've, I've got to be there at 11 o'clock on Thursday and we're going to be sitting down with everyone else and we're doing our quarterly planning right there and then live. We're going to do our planning and we're going to do our reflections and we're going to set our goals. And that means people actually set them. And then every month we check in on those goals. How are you doing? How's your week been? How's your month been? Are you on track? Where do you need to refocus? And that kind of live thing I love because... That's what we would do with our clients one-to-one. We go and visit them. We say, right, let's sit down and go through your numbers. Right, where are we? Are we on track? And to replicate that in the academy is one of my favourite things because we're really pulling everyone back together. 
Do you know, a phrase that I've been introduced a lot to over the last year is an accountability partner. And oh, yeah. I think that's that's what you're creating there is and we always say as consultants, as coaches, we are absolutely the accountability partner in the room. But it's nice when you can have other people that are going through that journey to become those partners. And one of the phrases that's come to mind whilst we were just talking then that I've heard you use many times is that abdicating responsibility. And you are absolutely saying, I am accountable, I am responsible for this, and I'm going to sit on a call or a room, depending on the the circumstance, and I'm sure that will evolve over the next couple of years with restrictions lifting and changes, is that having that dedicated time to show not only are you accountable, but you are also responsible for this, no matter where you sit in this this business, whether you are the finance director or you're the managing director or sales or marketing director, mm. you still have a part to play in that. And do you know what, Gary, what's really interesting is finance is one of those areas that nobody wants to engage in or talk about because it always looks from the outside like everybody else has got it sorted, that everyone else is super successful. Oh, look at me, look at me. It's all the social, you know, all the social media posts. It's the networking events. Oh, everything's amazing and awesome. For most people, most of the time, that is not true but nobody ever says it. No one ever says, do you know what, right now, I'm a bit worried about sales. Do you know what, right now, I cannot get my marketing strategy to work. Right now, I'm worried about the VAT bill. But in the academy, people do. Because then you realise is that every person, no matter how they look, has the same challenges. And I work with some very successful companies. And even they are going like, you know, right now, our vision's off track. Right now, bit worried about debtors right now. Do you know what? Pipeline's a bit dry, but no one talks about it because you can't show that weakness. You can, that's too commercially sensitive to let out there. The academy is awesome for people going like, do you know what? I'm struggling. Do you know what? I've just lost my biggest customer and I'm worried. And it's a place where people say, do you know what? Yeah, me too. And actually, you are actually like every other business owner out there, but they just don't admit it. And I think for anyone listening to know is, please don't think you're the only person who's got a financial challenge because almost everybody has some kind of challenge most of the time. And what we are teaching is how to remove most of those challenges from your business forever. But even then, you're going to have a time where my salesperson's left, my marketing stopped working, mm, the algorithm's changed, and my revenue is at risk. These things happen, but we teach you how to look far enough ahead for you to be able to see it coming and fix it. But the key thing is I want people to know is you're never alone with these things. It just feels like it because everyone else is going, look at me, aren't things amazing? And that is just not the truth. And I think creating a community where people can actually have those honest conversations and not feel... I mean, I've got people in there turning over millions through to people who've just started out as a sole trader and they're going like, oh, you've all got the same problems as me. And there's me feeling like really lonely and insignificant, but I'm looking at you with your factory and all your people and you've got the same problem I've got. People find that really heartening and really they're feeling very supported by that. And I know there's a really close link with this, but there's always been, we talk about the stigma of mental health with employees and 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 certainly mental health. And we've talked about it before on our, I think our first episode uh, with Julia was about the mental health impact on, on directors and owners and make sure that's there. But finance goes absolutely hand in hand with that. But we don't want yes. to talk about either. I don't want to say yeah. I'm, I'm experienced and I'm vulnerable and I, I've got problems that I don't want to talk about that because actually I'm struggling with my finances. Neither of those topics are things that we want to talk about because we're revealing our vulnerabilities, but we've all yes. got them. And we have it in the world of employees where we'll work with employers where they 
are literally seeing 50% of their employees leave their business and they're scared of talking about it. But sometimes that's a really big positive because every time an employee leaves doesn't mean that's a bad reflection on the business. That might just be that that employee needs to leave. And yes, you made a decision, a wrong decision many years ago and you are now correcting it. And that might be 50% of those employees leaving. And it feels painful, but you've absolutely hit on a, on a nail there is it's such a, a raw vulnerability to talk about that we all and go through feels, and we all experience. And it feels very commercially sensitive to say, you know, but the reality is, you know, I know that you know this. So many companies out there, you know, marketing, you know, marketing is one of my biggest bugbears because so many people, they're marketing. Most small companies aren't earning what they want to because their marketing doesn't work. And I've been through this pain barrier, oh my goodness me, so many times in 20 years. And I've come to the conclusion that like I teach people on finance, I've had to go and learn marketing because I can't delegate or abdicate my future to a marketing company and hope that they know what they're doing. Because guess what? Marketing is so different for every business and for every person. But it's again, most people have a challenge with marketing, but no one's saying it. Oh, my God, I haven't got enough customers. Why? Because your marketing's not working. Because we don't talk about it. We go, oh, they, their social media posts look amazing. They must be really successful. And all these things are feeding this financial angst. And you talk about mental health. There's nothing more debilitating, or not many things more debilitating than feeling like a failure because you're, you're not earning enough money and cash is tight and you're struggling to pay, you're juggling your suppliers. It is so, so mentally damaging to people. It damages your confidence, your self-esteem. And how can you then go out to the world and go, hello, I'm going to market my business now because you're feeling like this. If we could just understand that almost everyone's having these challenges, if we come together, talk about it and say, you know what, I could learn a few things here now that will elevate me. So I will never need to worry about those things again. Imagine never worrying about cash flow again. That's why I would deal with you, surely. Yeah, absolutely. But I'm sure that doesn't eradicate that. And I'm sure you've got customers that are and clients and people that you support through the membership that are still worried about cash flow but they have control over that and they know whether it's going to go one way or the other. So, yeah, I don't think I'll ever not worry about cash flow. <laughs> I had one lady last month who nearly didn't show up for quarterly planning because she'd lost a customer, she'd lost a revenue stream, and she was really embarrassed and she was feeling in a really bad place and she felt like the wheels had come off, so what was the point? But she made herself turn up and she showed up and she told us what was happening. And then, and then two or three people said, oh, God, yeah, I'm glad you said that because you know what, I'm struggling with this at the moment. And she was like, I'm so glad I came on this session because she left actually going, actually, I've done more than I realised. And actually, things aren't as bad as I thought they were in my head. And I've got a new plan. And she went away really excited and really exhilarated about what she was going to go and do and realising she wasn't alone. And it's just the cycle of business. It's great to talk about. And I know that the external point of view is really important. But of course, talking about people and, and bringing it back to the focus of people in, in our businesses, how important is it to share those stories that, that we've just lost a customer and this is how it's affected our cash flow? This is what we need to do to turn it around. And is there such a terminology to use as oversharing financial information with employees? Or And I guess that's don't show them everybody's salaries. That's a, an obvious one. But can we overshare or do we need to share more, do you find, with businesses? I think we need to share more, but yes, there's oversharing. So by sharing more, I think I always teach all our clients have a weekly flash report, which is like, you know, right here, right now, how are sales, how's pipeline, how's the order book, how are we looking? You've got to judge whether things are too commercially sensitive for them to actually understand, or does this go down the pub and get repeated out of context? 
So I think sharing things like where are our sales against target? How's our pipeline looking? If we have lost a big customer, share that and say, this, this is what this means. Because everything those people do, everything that every person does or doesn't do in a company has a financial impact. So it could be down, we lost them because of customer service. We lost them because of faulty product. We lost them because we were too long getting back to them. Obviously, I would never share bottom line profit unless you're in a cooperative. Um, never share director salaries or anyone's salaries. I think sharing down to gross margin is a really good thing to do. And sometimes sharing overheads can be helpful if people have got, only if they've got responsibility for the outcome of those overheads, though. So share things that they have a, an ownership in and share things that they can change. But definitely a much more open culture where we share key information and you know at least monthly weekly if you've got your flash report it's but yeah right we're at week two we're on track it's good we've got orders in the bag already because people also worry they worry about is their job safe and you need to balance that if things aren't good because if things aren't great and you're telling them all the time things aren't great but it's actually what can you do to help us we're all in this together it's much more motivating to be done than to be shut out and go like there's something going on there's lots of closed door meetings the directors are looking really stressed that's terrible for morale, as I'm sure you'll know. But so it's that thing about, you know, I think it's really important to recognise people are your team. Then It's not the old model of control. It's not the old model of like, you're lucky to have a job. It's like, it's a real team. And like you say, as a family, and you've really got to engage people that way. If you want them to give you, you know, to bring themselves to work and to care about your business. Absolutely. Do you know, there's, I'm sure you probably worked in companies that have been like this, but certainly seeing a lot of them where they, Companies will go out there and they'll talk about where they're at and they'll applaud and they'll say, this is where we're doing, we're doing great with this, this and this. And they miss out 90% of it on a bad month. But of course, that's really important. And what we've certainly learned over the last year, a lot of businesses have learned is that we should be trusting our employees a lot more. And we've now seen the power of trusting those employees Perhaps, again, not oversharing information with them and that's that important to have that level of trust, but not giving them too much information because like you said, out of context down the pub, that could be quite dangerous. But certainly trusting the employees, the right employees with the right information can be really, really powerful and very engaging because we go back to that method of purpose. In a business where we understand what the purpose is and where we're trying to get to, if we don't have that full picture of we're moving forward and this is where we're going to be in five years and we're going forward at 20, 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, but there's an obstacle in the road, if we don't know what that obstacle is and it's potentially going to slow us down 50%, we're never going to achieve that purpose and that goal it's really important to show that to employees, would you agree? They're trusting them with the information. And like I say, we all learned that, guess what? You can trust people to work at home. Who knew? <laughs> I mean, it's quite obvious to me, but I remember when I worked at Next, amazing company, but I was bitterly unhappy there. I absolutely hated it because we just got treated like there'd be like senior managers scurrying around in secret meetings and no one ever, you know, closed door meetings, no one ever got told anything. And it was, an, it was an environment where we were told we had to manage expectations downwards so that people wouldn't want promotions. And so everyone was like being shut down and shut out of things. And I'm such a growth person. I was just so ambitious. And I was bouncing off the walls trying to get ahead. And you're just being told, no. And as I became a manager, my, part of my job was manage expectations downwards so that they're not all fighting for the next promotion. And I'm not saying this is typical of next, but it's certainly in you know, the finance team I was in was toxic. And it crushed me and I had so much to give, but they just crushed my soul. And I couldn't wait to leave and set my own business up because it's like, you know, you don't know what I could have been. You know, whereas when you let people in, you tell them your vision, say, right, how can you help? What are your ideas? And people want to come to work to do a good job, don't they? 
They want to be part of it. It's all down to performance as well in, in lots of ways. I would say that people want to do the best that they possibly can do. And if you can give them the tools to be able to achieve that, and one of those being finances and 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 information across the board. I've recently been talking to a client about structure and as they're growing, making sure that they've got the right structure in place. And you've said there already, it's about giving maybe a P&L to certain people in the business because they might have a cost center responsibility, mm. but it's making sure that they're educated. And I know one of those yes. points that you raised with me at the time was, do the team that have the P&Ls understand the P&Ls and how they work? And at the time I said, yeah, I think so. But we went away and we looked at that. And that's so important because they don't know how they can impact on it and they can't perform in their roles. I see so many people talk about high performing teams and what you can do to be able to take them forward. But very rarely do I hear people say, we need to make sure that they understand their finances and how they can impact the P&L. And this is the information that they need to see. And actually, have you got any dashboards that you can log on to? And I've seen companies now with Power BI dashboards and all sorts of things that they can just log in and see it straight away and give that transparency to certain members of the teams. Yeah, very rarely do people talk about that when we talk about high-performing teams. We just You're get... so right. And a very common thing we see is like, oh, yeah, our managers all get the profit and loss and their balance sheet every month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our team know what they're doing. And we go in and talk to them and they go like, I haven't got a clue. They give me the stuff every month. I don't know how to read it. I haven't got the faintest idea what it means. And yet, as I said before, everything that everyone does impacts finances. It sounds quite dry when you say the profit loss and the balance sheet, but actually this is like, this is the heartbeat and the blood flow of the company. You know, this is the blood flowing through the arteries. And this is the thing that pays for your bonuses, for your salaries. This is the thing that's going to pay for you to have a promotion. This is what's going to pay for your training course and your development and your future if you want it to be here. And when you actually say, right, let's just go through this. Let's just teach you what a profit and loss is and a balance sheet. And then they go like, oh, is that it? Oh, well, that makes sense. But they're just given these numbers and expected to contribute. And they, they sit in the meeting going like, uh-huh. And they don't speak because they don't understand. When you tell people what a balance sheet is, they go like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. And I've explained it that way. But I've never, and I've had managing directors like in their 40s and 50s who've been running businesses for 20 years. And they say to me, would you mind just taking me through the balance sheet? Because my accountant, I just don't understand him. And I never dared ask after the first year. I never dared say he's gone all these years didn't have a clue when I explained it, it went well that makes sense I get that and it's like when you know it then suddenly you can unlock you're like oh what does that mean um, why is that over then and does that mean our margins down five percent what does that mean how can we change it if we do that how much more cash do we put in the bank if we do that what can we now afford to do what growth can we now afford who can we now employ because we are managing the money in our business and it goes back to that why doesn't it why are we doing what we're doing where do we want to get to and do we want one day to sit on a beach in Hawaii whilst it's running in the background or do we want nothing to do with this business anymore? And absolutely making sure that you understand that. And I, I've got to say that I now understand our balance sheet and our P&L inside out because I've done it. I know it. I can talk you through every line in it. Uh, there's probably one or two bits that are always in there for anybody, but I can talk you through majority of it and say, this is what this means. This is why. That's what we've got here for this reason. And I'm really proud of that because I now know where we're going and we've recently had uh, injection of cash into the business, which has been great. And I absolutely want to spend every penny of that money. All of that is going to go into the right place, hopefully, as much as we can do into the right places because we want to make sure that we are growing as, as best as we possibly can, but obviously securely 
and making sure that we're making some very financially strong decisions. So yeah, it's so important. We're going to get some quick fire questions in a minute because time is escaping us very quickly. (laughs) One of the areas I wanted to talk to you about, and we're seeing it a lot, I know a lot of businesses have shied away from doing it because of performance over the last year. But of course, companies now are saying, actually enough's enough, maybe I do want to move on and I do want to sell. Some people are planning it way in advance, trying to get that business valuation. And I'm going to If you're going to say it depends, I might uh, have to come and find you. (laughs) How do we go about valuating our business? And I know the people answer to this and I'll come on to this, but there's, there's two ways that traditionally people will exit a business and there's lots of different ways, absolutely loads. I know we're seeing a lot of more companies now that are going into employee ownership. That's a huge trend. Mm. But, but traditionally, and that's maybe another podcast in itself, is we're seeing people go down the route of either a management buyout or they are genuinely selling the company to a, a, an unknown external party or perhaps one that they've they've worked with for a while. They are two of the most common models. But how do we get the most value out of our business? Could you give us maybe two or three common things go on I know we're not paying for any of this so let's go this is a whole module in the academy so this is part of our financial freedom journey is we actually teach people what makes their business valuable but how to grow your business with the end in mind so build as if you want to sell even if you don't think you do because by building a valuable company for sale you're automatically making it valuable for you So the things that make a business valuable for an external buyer also automatically make it valuable to you. So it's not like you're dressing the business for sale. I don't agree with that because that's just false and you'll get found out. But A, it takes three to five years to get your business ready for sale. But it is something we actually teach in the academy because it's something that you should be doing from the get go. So it's things like um, recurring revenue have a lot of value attached to them. So they'll typically be an EBITDA multiple, which is really a, a multiple of your profit. So EBITDA is earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization. So they take your profit figure and they'll apply a multiple to it. Sometimes it's a multiple of fee income, which might be applicable in a business like yours. But it's all going to come down to things like if you've got recurring revenue and you've got contract revenue, they are both very valuable and will push your multiple up. If you've got a strong management team, which is when the people thing is hugely important to a sale. I mean, think about Hallam's MBO. That was such a success because Susan built such an incredible managing with Julio and Jake And that's a real, really stunning example of a successful MBO. But that came down to all of those factors being aligned. So your recurring revenue, your contracted revenue, your excellent strong management team, strong financials, strong financial performance. It's all the things that are good for your business now. So no customers more than 20% of your turnover. So you don't have that customer reliance. You know, one key member of staff who could walk out and take your business down. So all those major risk points are covered off. And you're doing the things that are generating cash and generating profit, and you have a way to keep growing, that you know how to bring business in, so your marketing is strong, your pipeline and funnel are strong. So all the things that make a business great anyway are, by happy coincidence, the things that build value. So we teach is build your business to sell, even if you don't know if you want to, or even if you don't think you want to, because by default, you get a more profitable, cash-rich, valuable company, which means better life for you better life for employees. And I'm going to echo that in the in people sense of that is that, yeah, day to day, do you want to work in that business? Is it a great business to work for? What do your customers think? And something I've mentioned recently to somebody was, 
if your engagement score is low for your employees, then it's going to be really low for your customers. Have you ever been to a restaurant and they just they just staff are rude? They don't like working there because they're probably not getting the tips. And I've I've been there where we didn't get our tips or the management wasn't too great. Well, it doesn't matter how amazing the food is. All you can remember is that rude waitress or waiter that was serving you. That's all you can remember. The food was really nice, but the staff were awful. It's like Richard Branson. He's, you know, he prioritizes, look after your team and your team will look after your customers. It's quite simple, isn't it, really? But if you're not looking after your team, why would you expect your customers to be getting a good service? It just doesn't make any sense. And of course, then, if you've got an engagement level that's really really high and the employees are saying this is a great place to work i love the way that we do this i love love the way that we do that if i gave that to you and said here you go serena here's my finances here's my employee scores that i'm getting through for my engagement and here's the feedback wow how impactful is that to somebody that prospectively wants to look at your business people side of it cannot be overestimated when you're looking at a sale it's critically important but what I would also say that, and there is a caveat of that, and I've had this recently where a company has done their engagement scores and the owners have scored incredibly high, but the managers in the business have scored quite low. And what that means, of course, is when those owners move away from the business, that management team isn't strong enough. So, of course, we need to make sure that we've got people that are in the business that are managing the teams, but making sure that they are running key functions such as finance, marketing, all of those areas in your business that aren't 100% reliant on the owners, making sure that they absolutely are are being looked after and uh, running very smoothly along the lines. Yes, and that's the whole thing about, you know, when you train your management team to operate the business without you. You know, it's one that make yourself redundant is a, a key phrase that we use as well when you're looking at sale. Hugely important, hugely important people and finance. And there is that link again, when we're looking at selling, when and I always say this that if you are looking at selling your company the most ethical thing to do is to sell it to the people that are in your business that you've grown that you've nurtured that absolutely get it the great thing about designing and modeling your business to be able to do that this is my personal view if you design and model your business to be able to do that you're naturally going to be very strong in the eyes of an external acquirer because either way you're on a win-win if the employees absolutely love it and they believe in it then an external acquirer will want to and will want to be part of that and, and take you on board for me it's about doing an ethical exit and that's what we'll eventually do when i'm when i'm old and retired and yeah and, and living somewhere in hawaii more than three days a week i wish but absolutely something i believe in is making sure that there's an ethical exit there for everybody that's involved in the business it's great that you believe that and i think that's the thing with finance as well it's so often seen as a sort of slightly cold detached part of the business but actually the finance part it's just a reflection of what's going on you know and, and it's the thing that enables you to be a great employer and to be able to treat your staff well and to pay them well and it's so connected to the heart and soul of a business and I think that's where we get it very wrong when it's abdicated out to accountants it's all made very dry and boring and technical you're missing the point that this actually is the enabler for you to get what you you dream of for your life and once you get under the skin of that and realize that it's like this is just my money we're just talking about my money here and how I use my money for good in the world, you know, to create a great place for these people to work for opportunities and, you know, and to give yourself and your family the life you want. That's that's what money makes possible. But we have to understand it to get those results. Over your career, 
you've had some great managers and great mentors, I'm sure. Is there anybody that stood out particularly in your mind that's made you live the values that you have today that you hold so closely to you? Yeah, there's a couple of people I would like to mention. So my, my very first boss, a guy called Ali, he was my first boss and gave me my very first job when I left school. And he became my very first client when I set my company up. And he had such an incredible ethic about looking after people and believing that anything was possible. And then the second one was a lady as a coach I worked with about seven years ago who completely turned my life around from you know the kind of very left brain accountant track that I was on at the time. And she really helped me to unleash my passion and, and become who I really was, which wasn't the, the suit wearing accountant at all. A lady called Kate Kenny, and she was called Kate Gary. She's the most phenomenal coach I've ever worked with. And she completely helped me to just to break out of that was and find out who I really, really was underneath it all. And to have the courage to just talk about, you know, the mission I have in life and, and the passion to pursue that. And, and like I say, you get those people in your life and they are utterly formative, aren't they, in how, who you become. Absolutely. And I'm glad you just mentioned that, your personal mission. I've been asking everybody what their personal mission is because, and I'm sure this will be very relative to what you're doing as a business, but how do you want to be remembered once you finally leave this earth? I mean, you said the personal mission shouldn't be a business mission, but my personal business mission is my business mission. So my mission is that I've made a significant difference to how successful small companies are in the UK. And that's what I believe I'm on the planet to do. I think I went through all those experiences, those really heartbreaking, traumatic experiences I went through in my early 20s. They happen for a reason because I was meant to do something with it. It's to make a difference wherever I can. And I know I work with companies who say, you know, putting your stuff in place has completely transformed our business and like yes that's what I want to do because I know with a few simple things you can completely transform your business your employees lives your family's lives and so for my it's just about making and being that difference a long time to go but when you finally leave this earth somebody says what Serena did she made a difference and that she was really important life. to people and I have clients tell me that and I want to do that for lots 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 more companies you know so like the stuff I learned from you and the things I got to implement literally changed my life or stopped my business failing or made my business do better like to know that I made a difference to someone's life we talked about where you get your values from if you could name one single core value what would that be freedom free to live life on my own terms to run my business on my own terms and not get sucked into all the you know all the shoulds ought to's got to's must to's everyone's telling you you've got to do and just to go like yeah I don't want to have to put a suit jacket on to be on LinkedIn you know I'm it's freedom to live my life and to put my health first and to not get sucked into all the the nonsense we get told we should be to be successful brilliant and then books what you've read so many books i'm sure and a lot over the last year as well lots of people are reading at the moment are there any standout books for you that people should be picking up and having a read of that have listened to you today and felt inspired? There are two books I teach around a lot and that both books are actually part of our academy programme and they are Deep Work and Vivid Vision. And Deep Work by Cal Newport, which is all about how you need to deeply focus on the important things without distraction and you just focus on creating value in the world. You don't create value through distraction and through shallow work and through interruption. And through being on social media all the time, it's through deep, focused, uninterrupted work. So deep work is a staple I live my life by and all my clients live by it. And Vivid Vision, I mentioned it before, is the most exciting practical tool I've ever come across for creating a business mission that everyone gets behind. And not just your employees, but the outside world. You share it with the outside world, with employees, with the public. And it's an incredible tool for aligning everybody up so they can see what you see here and what you see here. 
and it's aligned around the owner's passion and mission. It's not set by committee. It's not, let's put some post notes on the wall and see what the common denominator is and wind up with this kind of strategy by committee, which is a watered down. It's the owner's vision for life and they make it so exciting and vivid that everyone jumps on board with them. So they're my two standout go-to books. Fabulous. Well, Serena, it's been great. I definitely think we need to do this again. And let's perhaps do it over a coffee or a a wine, a beer, a gin, whatever is available to us at the time. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us on the People Focus podcast. Thank you for asking me. I'm really honoured to be asked alongside all the other great guests you've had on your podcast. We'll be releasing more episodes every fortnight. Please continue to listen. And um, thanks very much, Serena. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Gary. Really appreciate that. That was the People Focus podcast with Talkstaff. Please use your podcast app to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And for more content, visit talkstaff.co.uk slash people focus.